strap yourselves in and get ready for another immersive music experience on the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I'm your host, Mike Petchy. Hi, how are you? Come on in quick. Grab a seat. Grab a beer. Uh, we're about to get started. I'm very excited for today's episode. Uh, I'm hanging out with Jean from St. Lucia. Uh I know that there's a lot of St. Lucia fans that are showing up today. Welcome to the show. This is my show. Uh, my name is Mike Petchy. As I said, this is my podcast. And uh, what we do here at the show is we we peel away those Instagram filters. We peel away all of the starry-eyed looks that we have at celebrity, at musicians, at filmmakers, and actually talk about the core of it all. We actually get to the emotional center, that the center of that Tootsie Roll Tootsie Pop. That's the game, that's the game here at the show, and that's what we're always pushing for. And today's episode's a great one. I just wrapped up the interview. I'm excited. Uh, Jean and I go deep into creation. Uh, we go deep into where we find ideas, where he finds inspirations for his songs. We talk a little bit about the technical aspects of putting these this music together. Uh, we, of course, get lost in our favorite foods. Uh, he is living in one of my favorite places on the planet, and he has access to such amazing ingredients and food out there. So we get deep into that stuff. So big shout out to all the big food fans of the show. Um, and... We just get into everything that is St. Lucia. And hopefully, it's my goal with this episode. If you've never heard the band before, if you don't know who it is that I'm talking to today, you're going to know by the end of it. I'm going to be intercutting all sorts of tracks from them. It's going to be an audio experience. Every once in a while, I get to do these, and I'm happy that we were able to get St. Lucia here on the show. And I have to say this. I was a fan of their music prior to it. I was introduced to them by Gina, uh, my girlfriend. She uh, showed me their tracks years ago. Um, and then they just are putting out their new stuff now, uh, the Utopia stuff, the EP that they're putting out. Um, and so I was like, I got I to gotta talk to these guys. It's been a while since I've listened to their music. And when I, start, when I started to go back through the catalog, it was like, I say it on the show, it's like falling into a dream a well-crafted, fully sound-designed, different world that is St. Lucia. And it's this world that once you go to it, it's very poppy, it's very romantic, it's very exciting. You find yourself tapping your feet, you find yourself uh, moving your head, you find your heart beating a little louder in your chest. Um, and I hope you guys feel this. That's the goal of the show today. We're going to try to get you guys to feel this way. But before we do, thank you everybody for showing up. Thank you for telling your friends about In Love With The Process. Our numbers keep going up. I'm so excited. And it, it blows my mind when I go out places now and people are like, I listen to your show, man. I'm like, really? It was crazy. I was at Synergear a couple weeks ago and I had this kid walk over to me and he goes, dude, I love your show. And I was like, really? When did you start listening to it? I listened to it when I was in high school. What? I've only been doing this for five years. How old are you, buddy? <laughs> so it's exciting. It's exciting that we're uh, getting a larger audience. It's exciting that I'm able, because of having a larger audience, because you keep telling your friends to listen to your show, or my show, or our show, rather, um, I'm able to get bigger and better guests on the show, like today. 
It really helps. So if you love the show, you want to support us, tell your friends about it. Brag to your friends about it. I'm going to be putting merch out. I'm going to have all sorts of different ways that you can promote the fact that you're one of the original listeners of In Love With The Process. Before we become big shits, before I get too big, you know what I mean? You guys are here. Uh, and I love you for it. And thank you for following me on Instagram at Mike Petchy and following the podcast on Instagram. That's in love with the process, P-O-D on Instagram. Uh, you've been sending suggestions for guests. I'm listening. You guys have been giving me feedback on shows. Thank you so much. Uh, after you listen to this episode, uh, drop me some notes. Let me know what you think about it. Let me know what your favorite songs are. I often tag the guests of the show so the guests see your comments and questions as well. So the best way to do all that is on Instagram, following me at Mike Petchy on Instagram. And for those of you listening, if you want supplemental material, if you want a better experience, and I know you're just sort of drooling and staring at your phone, um, you can go to inlovewiththeprocess.com. There I usually put up a page for each episode with supplemental materials, might have some music videos from these guys, images that they send me, all sorts of stuff up there. But it's a great place, if you're a newcomer to the show, to start listening to us. I have the top 30 episodes, which I have to adjust this week because I think there are three or four episodes recently that belong in that category. But you can go there and start listening to the show because we're approaching our 200th episode. Um, if I think this episode is going to come out before that. If not, we just ran over our 200th episode. And so it's, it's kind of daunting. Especially if you load us up on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and you're like, where do I start? Do I go all the way back to episode one? Well, if you're a true comic book fan, you do. Um, but if you're someone that wants specifically all the musician episodes, or if you're someone that wants all the cinematographer episodes, if you're someone that wants all the chef episodes, all that stuff is categorized neatly and stacked for your benefit on inlovewiththeprocess.com. So go there and check it all out. Um... I'll catch up with you guys at the back end of this, all right? I don't want to hold out any longer. Let's let's start some tracks. Let's play some St. Lucia, and let's get into it. We're going to get deep on the brand new episode of In Love With The Process.
John, I'm excited to have you on the show today. How are you, buddy? I'm very good. How are you, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. So we were just talking <laughs> offline. So you're over in Europe right now, right? Yeah. So um, my, my wife and I moved here to the south of Germany to a, a town called Konstanz, which is where she grew up. Um, oh, and cool. she's, um, I mean, yeah, for anyone that doesn't know, she's also a big part of St. Lucia. Like she plays keyboards and does some lead vocals, some backing vocals, uh, percussion and stuff. And um, mm-hmm. but she grew up here and we, we had our second son um, sort of at the end of 2020. He was born on Friday the 13th, November 2020, (laughs) (laughs) the worst day of the worst year. Oh, Um, so congratulations (laughs) to giving birth to the demon child. That's basically what you're saying. He seems very nice, though, so far. Yeah, Um, Although he has a tendency to bite. But um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) um, but yeah, so we, you know, we just threw everything and being in New York during the pandemic, which is kind of a bit of a, um, you know, nightmare. (laughs) <laughs> yes, a traumatizing experience. Yeah, uh, we, we we decided to move here and be closer to her family, and her whole family lives here, and it's a beautiful town with a great quality of life. And you know, we definitely miss the the cosmopolitan like hustle and bustle of New York and you know cities like that. But mm-hmm. um, it's been really good for us. Yeah, I've I have never been to Germany. It's one of the few places that I'm dying to go to. I've always wanted to travel out there. It just looks amazing, dude. So. Uh, yeah, I'm a little jealous. That's cool. It's really cool. It's now. cool. I feel like here, what's interesting about where we live is it's not what you would necessarily imagine as Germany. Like, you know, there is the German thing that you imagine in your head, but this is almost like we're right on the border with Switzerland. So it's kind of like you're, it feels like you're living in Switzerland slash oh, what so you nice. would imagine like the, you know, the Northern Italian like lakes region. So it feels a bit like Lake Como or something like that oh, a little bit. My like, favorite. You know, yeah, it's dude. like a lake with the Alps next to it, and um, it's great. We we love it's very inspiring, but um, it definitely no, nowhere is perfect, you know. Well, I'm just picturing you right now sitting on <laughs> sitting in like a windowsill with headphones on, basically like a label on a beer bottle, just sort of speaking to me over the internet right now. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I'm actually I'm actually like being the opposite of that. I'm sitting in my living room and I'm. <laughs> <laughs> trying to be, uh, I'm sort of like, I, one of the things I really miss out here is good like tequila cocktails and Mexican Ooh. stuff in general. Um, but I, you know, whenever I come come back, you know, whenever I fly to the States and come back via um, uh, duty free, I always buy like a bottle of tequila and something else. So right now I'm, I'm drinking um, uh, Patron Reposado with this like, um, Nice. Um, this like chili, uh, it's like a anjo, anjo chili. Um, uh, it's kind of uh, what do you, what do you call it? Like a what do you call like the sweet like thing that you might add to a cocktail? For some oh, reason, it's just like, oh my god, my brain is also not working at the same point. But like a mixer, essentially, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, 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 essentially with like some lime juice. So I'm just you know this is this is me just having my little outside experience outside of where I'm living. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you must you must love coming to Los Angeles. I mean, it was the big thing that when I moved from the East Coast out here, it was like, okay, so chilies, citrus. I mean, I get a lemon tree out front, and then tequila yeah. and mezcal. It's pretty yeah, much. I mean, that's the diet. That's the whole reason to live out there. Yeah. <laughs> what, what neighborhood do you live in? So we're out here in Glendale. So we're in the east, nice. the east side, which yes. Um, I, I've talked a little bit about this on the show before. I never thought that I would be out here, uh, but being such a, 
you know, I'm a food guy. So being a barbecue mm-hmm. nuts and like throwing parties and having events and all that, I'm, I'm so, it's sort of like the food capital and the bars are really great on the east side. And so dude, you have Din Tai Fung there as well, which is huge. Yes. Oh, dude. Um, I was just actually, I, w- I was out there staying with some friends of mine in Pasadena, which is not too far from you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you also have Rafi's place. Like I f- fucking love Rafi's place <laughs> out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this, the, yeah. I mean, the food out here in general blew my mind because, look, I, I, spent 20, I spent 20 years working as a director on the East Coast and I was very anti-LA for quite some mm-hmm. time. And then when we finally made the move out here for work, I was kind of like, eh, I guess, you know, <laughs> and, then, and then when we, we got here, I was just completely uneducated on the food out here and the amazing food scenes and the Vietnamese and Thai and Mexican yeah. food. Um, and it's just been like this eye-opening, weight-gaining adventure in moving to Los Angeles. <laughs> that was like my, my holiday that I just had on the Amalfi Coast in Italy was a big weight-gaining oh, adventure. <laughs> Pizza every day, just, you know, and just, but just like amazing and so worth it, you know? Oh, dear. Well, you're in the perfect place. Last time I was in Italy, we did sort of a route where we started in Rome and we drove north and we went to Lake Como and then came back and yeah. Man, Lake Como was so gorgeous, and we went pretty high up and almost over into, you know, the Switzerland. And I wish we had gone over because um, that area is just fucking gorgeous. It's beautiful up yeah. there, man. Yeah, yeah, it is beautiful. So, I love it. Well, uh, so excited to have you on the show. Um, and let's here. let's talk a little bit about music, but let's get nerdy about whatever the fuck we want to get nerdy about. That's what I love about yeah, what we do let's here. Do it. <laughs> um, so let's just catch up some of the listeners that may not know uh, your music, which I doubt there are many. Um, how'd you get, why music, man? Out of anything that you could do to tell stories, why'd you pick music? Well, it's funny because I was just talking to a friend of mine about this the other day, but there's this um, there's this Rick Rubin quote that I read recently. Oh yeah, where he said something along the lines of, like he has Rick Rubin has an Instagram account. I have no idea if he has anything to do with it or not, but like there were constantly <laughs> quotes posted by Rick Rubin on this this account, uh-huh. and one of the things he said was, "You should do the thing that you would." with your life, like this is career advice. Like you should do the thing that you would die if you couldn't do that thing. Yeah. And to me, the reason I do music is just like, I mean, like I, I just like have to do it. And if I don't do it for a couple of weeks, I become extremely grumpy and hard to live with and hard to deal (laughs) with. (laughs) Just a nightmare in general. Yeah. Me too. And, um, you know, so it's, it's like, yeah, it's, it's that basically that I came into it. You know, I just grew up and I always responded to music. I responded to a lot of the arts, you know, like in, in a, in an alternate life, I would be a film director or an interior mm-hmm. designer or an architect or something. But like music is always the thing that's been the easiest for me. Not mm-hmm. that it's always easy as I'm sure you can appreciate, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, for, for, yeah, it definitely has its difficult moments, but it's, um, it's the way that I feel like I can best process the world around me and the experiences in my life and spit it out like an expression out into the world that is something subconscious that expresses something that I can't express with words.
I think that's kind of why we get into as artists into this outlet because uh, I'm, I'm always saying that as a filmmaker, I'm experiencing things in life and then I'm trying to translate that experience to someone so that they can kind of live it safely. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's this sense of here's what I was feeling when I got in a car accident without you having to get into a car accident. And, and then <laughs> you spend like all this time and energy sort of studying these techniques that are kind of like magic tricks. Um, where mm-hmm. you're raising the heart rate, you're uh, putting someone in that situation so that they can kind of feel what it is that you felt in that moment. Uh, do you feel the same way with music? Yeah. Um, you know, it's it, it, for me, often it's not a very like conscious process of like, okay, I'm going to like do this, this thing, or like I'm going to try and translate this experience into a song. It's more just kind of like, and, you know, there's a few musical artists that have talked about this as well, this weird phenomenon where, like, I just am just doing something else, you know, like I'm cooking or I'm on a, out on a run or I'm, like, mm-hmm. playing with the kids and suddenly I'll just notice myself, like, humming a melody or something will be in my head and then I'll notice, oh, wait, this is something that doesn't exist yet, you know? Mm-hmm. I'll just, you know, it'll go from just being a totally subconscious thing to me consciously realizing, oh, this is, like, a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Almost just, like, an idea has just been, like, beamed into my head. Right. And then either it arrives, like, fully formed or I just hear the whole arrangement or it's just, like, a melody and then it just kind of happens that way and then often I don't know what it's about, I don't know what the lyrics are about for a while and it just kind of I sort of try and allow it to just kind of happen. It's almost like I'm possessed by some weird thing. And then it, it comes out and then I try and control it as little as possible mm-hmm. um, while that energy is there, while that creative energy is present. Um, you know, and then obviously there's an editing process that happens where you're, you're more sure. conscious of it and stuff. But sure. um, for me, it's just, it's just that thing. It's like, it's like I absorb life and then it comes out if I just allow it to come out, you know, without me thinking of like the commer- what I need to do commercially or anything like that. It's just like, this is the thing that I'm trying to, that I, that needs to come out. And and that's the struggle. That's the fucking struggle. I mean, I run into the struggle too, where it's trying to deal with the anxiety of the commercial side of it, where you're like, Mm -hmm. I need to, I need to be fucking doing something. You know what I mean? Like there there are mornings where I'll wake up and go, what have I done? What am I doing? Um, and hope, hopefully the I never bank- have that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll see you later. <laughs> uh, you know, and then hopefully your bank account isn't also, you know, uh, thrusting that sort of anxiety at you. And, and then, yeah. you know, I always find it incredibly difficult to, to come up with something that means anything within those parameters. And um, mm-hmm. 
it's nice to hear that uh you know are you constantly struggling with the 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 battle between the commerce and the art i mean there is a bit of a struggle with that um you know you know one like i sort of count myself lucky in a way that i the music that i that i make you know and it's not the music i choose to make it's just what i make is pop music you know yeah. so yeah yeah it, i'm not like making like just modular synth bleeps and bloops you know even though like there are some there are some ambient tracks and stuff here and there but um so to me it's just like i i love good pop music you know mm -hmm. and so i trust that like someone is gonna like it even though there's many moments of doubt where like what if no one likes it and i'm li just literally risking my whole life on this whim that i have you know <laughs> oh yeah don't um, don't load that with stress or anything <laughs> yeah no, exactly but i it's, it's i don't know it's it's um yeah i mean obviously obviously the the commercial side is there mm -hmm. you know but um we we've just you know we've, we've been lucky in certain ways with success even though we've we've we fought for it you know and when we when we first became successful as a band i was already 29 30 years old so there were like mm -hmm. years there like i moved to the states to be a jingle writer so i was a jingle writer for many years and just like gradually turned that into this project and then you know the, the there were de there've definitely been like scary moments financially you know like the, during this pandemic pandemic there were like scare definitely scary moments like 2020 was crazy like we basically yeah, yeah. made no money in 2020 you know but to me it was just like i've always felt like well for me to go and like do a normal job and and just for the record like i don't come from a wealthy family or anything you know mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so um so you know we just for, for me it was just like for me to go do like a normal job would just kind of there's a certain like value that you build as an artist you know and i'm sure you you realize this and and if you go away and do other things you kind of take a little bit away from that value i think yes for sure for sure and dude. it's but sometimes it's necessary to do that of course like sometimes you have to do that but um yeah we just kind of like we we just kind of kept doing this and just through the whole thing of like having very little money and like deciding to have our second child in the States, you know, so he could be American mm -hmm. um, and essentially couch surfing and about to have like your second kid with one, <laughs> you know, one kid already. And like, wow. you know, like, like it was, it was definitely crazy, but like we believe in it so much that we for us, it's like important to kind of bleed a bit for it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, huh. sorry, I, that was a bit of a ramble, but I hope that that on some Dude, it's great. No, it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's perfect, man. I it, it, yeah, it's it's fascinating. I'm always fascinated with, you know, inspiration and where we find inspiration and where we find stuff. And and when I was younger, it was always you know when you're first starting out, you're you're learning technique, right? You're going through mm -hmm. the process of learning how to play an instrument, or you're learning how to mix an album, or you're learning what sounds specifically do to you and what sounds do to the audience, that kind yeah. of thing. And then uh, I think there hit a point with me where I got lost in the technical stuff, and it just sort of became formulaic and a little boring. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I had to sort of turn my back on all of that for a little while and just sort of live my life. And then go, oh, okay, this is life. My inspiration comes from life and inspiration comes mm -hmm. from the shit around me and not necessarily the, the technique, you know? Um, it was this weird sort of moment with me where then it was like, oh, fuck. Now I, now I feel like I'm telling stories that are worth being told. 
where prior to that, it was always based on like, I saw this thing and that's really cool. And maybe I should try to do something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I th- it's funny. Cause I, I also think about that a lot. And I think that like, there is this thing where, you know, especially when you like, 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 let's say you don't know where you're going, like just from a perspective of like being a musician, like if I don't know where I'm going with a record, like I'm just starting out, you know, mm-hmm. at that stage, it's most, it's most common for me at that stage to get obsessed with like, well, I need to get this piece of gear and that's <laughs> going to be the thing that mm-hmm. like, you know, sets me on this road. Right. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because like on this record, for example, I was really, one of my big things was like trying to really up my, the quality game that I have, like a really having a really good like channel strip, having the highest quality conversion, like all these kinds of things, you know? Yep. Yep. But then, you know, I think, I think part of that is also like, there is this thing where you being a creative person, your, your, um, investment and reward cycle is so fucking insanely long (laughs) that sometimes you just literally feel like you're like jesus like walking through the desert you know for like years and just for the record also i'm not like a religious person but just like i love that analogy you know just like walking through the desert for years and just losing your mind for ages you know for this this idea you know 100 um whereas like cooking is different you know like it's part of why like i love cooking is like a side creative thing because you just like buy ingredients cook and you have smiles or frowns from the people in front of you and you know whether they liked it or not you know <laughs> uh, but as look, a creative person you're just kind of like walking through this fucking desert for years and you know something about being able to post like oh i just bought like burl converters or something that's like thought of as like a good thing is a bit of a reward, you know, yeah, and it's yeah. maybe it also feeds into like why social media is a little bit of a dangerous thing as a creative person because maybe you get hooked on like those those like quick rewards, you know. Yeah, hundred percent, dude, hundred um, percent. Yeah, but no, I think I think that um, yeah, no, I think what you're saying is totally true. <laughs> it's funny because my audience is listening to us right now, and they all just sort of oh, rolled their eyes because you started to talk <laughs> about food and cooking, and it sounds exactly the way I do stuff. And they're like, "Okay, so Mike's going to go on a food tangent right now." <laughs> <laughs> I love it, <laughs> and we will in a moment. Uh, but yeah. bef- but before we do, uh, all about food. Yeah. All of this is about food. The only reason we do music or film is food. Basically. Yeah, dude. Uh, but before we go that deep, yeah, no, I, I was just talking with someone about the social media thing uh the other day and uh it's there's a lot of goodness that that you can get from it like you and i wouldn't be talking without instagram because that's how we ended up uh communicating but uh it can be so fucking toxic too and there's this sense of of constant uh approval that's needed or constant i i call it the dopamine addiction the the constant Mm -hmm. uh you know um rush um that when you're making an album or dude if you're making a movie it's like five six years and you're it's this long you know it's like grabbing onto the anchor on an on an oil tanker and then walking it just trying to pull this fucking thing along because of how long it takes to do it so yeah you do you do lose I, i find myself losing motivation often um if you're that far out you know, how, how do you keep your motivation? Is it just sort of going back and, and just playing? Is it going back and playing with, with tools or is it, like you said, is it getting lost in new equipment? Like generally, how do you get yourself remotivated again? (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) Um, it's just, it's like, I've just been doing this for long enough that 
I kind of just like the enjoyment of coming up with new ideas and like progressing the idea of whatever the, the next record is going to be, you know, and it takes a while to figure that out for me. Yeah. Um, just that experience of coming up with a new idea and developing it and being excited about it is that's kind of the thing that I chase, you know, mm-hmm. in a way it's like that, that high in, in it, it, like if I think about it from that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's also like, you know, I, like a couple of things that I think really helped me is like, I, I love running, like running is my exercise of choice. Like generally like doing long distance things. Mm-hmm. Um, I meditate a bit here and there. Like, you know, I do a bit of like journal writing and stuff like that. And what I find useful about that stuff is like with running, you know, the, every time I go for a run, there's a moment where I'm just like, I can't go anymore. Like I cannot keep going. And then yeah. you break through this like pain barrier. And then on the other side, you're, you, you see, oh, I can keep going, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then that keeps happening over and over. And in some way that then feeds into my like musical pain barrier where, you know, I mean, there are days where I'm just like fucking depressed because I'm like yeah. this, I literally thought I just wrote the best song of all time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I came back from the studio. I'm like, ba- like I'll say to Patty, like, babes, just wait till you hear this. You're going to be like, and then I'll play it. She'll be like, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> you know, and I'll just be like, "Well, fuck my life," because yeah, exactly, exactly, you know, exactly. Just cut me open and walk all over my insides, won't you? God damn. Yeah, and, and sometimes it'll just be like a year or two years of that. You know, not constantly. Yeah. Like obviously, in between, there'll be some songs that like will you know. But the development process, and you know, now for example, I'm in a place where like most of what I'm coming up with, I'm excited by, and the people around me are excited by. There's just like a flow right now, but. There are just, there are these moments, you know, and I think kind of training yourself in some way to deal with pain and disappointment is just important if you're going to be an artist. And I think any way you can do that is is important. Dude, it's a hundred percent, man. I mean, that's basically been the theme of this season of the show. It's like every, (laughs) and I I think it's because we're coming out of COVID really. I think it's because of the back end of of that weird sort of imprisonment that we had. And mm-hmm. um, so many of my musician friends, what a fucking terrible time. Like, uh, you know, I've had musician buddies that released albums during COVID that just went nowhere because of, because yeah. of all that stuff. And oh, it was brutal for a lot of people. Um, and now that we're out of the back end, it's sort of like this PTSD kind of thing where it's just like, am I allowed yeah. to be creative now? Is it okay? You know, it's weird, man. It's a weird place to be in. Um, it totally is, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when you start writing stuff, when you find that thing that uh, you're obsessed with, if like, you know, if you're changing the baby's diaper and suddenly you have a beat that shows <laughs> up in your head. Uh, so, so you sit down, you start working. Um, do you find that you just get into a groove? Is it something that sort of takes you and you just, you, you go off into it? And second part of that question is, do you have sort of a system to take raw ideas and you're like, okay, let me try to make sense of this do you put it through some sort of formulaic system for yourself or is it all uh, you know at the whim of what you're feeling it's a bit of both you know like i've um i feel like every record is different honestly like every saint lucia record is like the the process has been pretty different mm-hmm. um i feel like you know this this current batch of music that we've that we're releasing is the most similar experientially to like our first record mm-hmm. um i think because you know on our first record i i was working on that for years you know just like figuring out 
what we want to do, like going off on different tangents. You know, there were all sorts of other potential directions that I went in. Mm-hmm. Um, but we ended up at this St. Lucia kind of tropical pop slash dancey sound. Um, but then the next couple of records, we were, we were on the road a lot, you know? So I was like doing a lot of writing just on my laptop on my headphones in a van or on the bus, like driving yeah. through beautiful landscapes or in green rooms and, you know, like, because you're just busy. Yeah. Yeah. And with this, obviously with the pandemic, there was a lot more time again to kind of just play around and tweak and try things and Fascinating. There was no pressure to release or anything, you know, cause you just knew that like, if you did, it would just basically disappear. And, yeah. um, so I feel like for this one, I, you know, I, I feel like I'm really, I, I've gotten to a place again where, you know, I've upgraded my, my setup to the point where I think I'm getting super high quality, like great sounds and stuff. And I had, I'm surrounded by instruments that I'm really inspired by that like almost any classic record that I listen to, mm-hmm. I can go make almost any of those sounds. Cause you know, I have just like, I'm hugely inspired by like, like simple tools, like simple instruments, simple synthesizers, but mm-hmm. super high quality, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I'm, I, I don't love like highly complex, like digital synths or modular stuff. I just love, like I have a mini move model D, which is like, basically the original monophonic non-modular synthesizer, you know, um, and then just like a whirly, like a whole bunch of things. And so normally to start off, I'll just use a few soft synths of just some of the sounds to kind of sketch, sketchy Mm -hmm. idea. Mm -hmm. And then I'll just start layering things. And I just have, I have a good system for um, doing it like quickly, but having high quality sounds that are actually live recorded instruments that are not soft synths. So like trying to do it, I, I, I always try and like imagine myself doing it the way that like the dudes that I love back in like the seventies and eighties are doing it, you know? And, yeah. and I try to like emulate, I don't try and emulate that, but I try and make my system as similar to what the way that they were doing it as I can without using tape. And you feel it'll be fine. Nobody's happy every time. They feel the rhythm.
All right, it's time to take a moment. It's time to uh, pay some respects to the equipment, to the gear we use, to the stuff that we need, <laughs> that we don't need. Let's be real. See how I started that like a guy that was prepping for ad reads? Look, all the stuff that I'm going to talk about here and all the tips that I'm going to give you during this um, is for, for tools that you could use to make your work better. Do you need to own this stuff? No, you don't. But I use it. And so many of you are constantly asking me, what kind of camera do you use? What kind of edit system are you on? What do you, where'd you get the music for that last piece you did? All right, this is where I'm gonna tell you guys all about it, so strap in. First up, our good friends over at Puget Systems. These are the computers that I use to edit everything I do. PCs custom built from my buds over at Puget Systems. These guys will build you a custom PC based upon the software that you're gonna use. And believe it or not, there isn't a one computer fits all for that kind of software. Maybe if you're like sort of a passive user of everything, you can get sort of a mid-range, you know, super sexy machine that comes out of a box unboxing experience from a larger place. But if you're like me, whenever I start a project, I'm always pushing the borders of that project to the limits. So I'm always cramming my video tracks with way too much stuff, multiple formats. I'm always uh, pushing my cameras to the limit. I'm always pushing my lenses and my light gear to the limit. Um, it's important to me. If I'm trying to find something new, if I'm trying to find a new vibe, I feel like I need to really beat the shit out of my tools. You know what I mean? And I found that my Puget computer stays with me the whole time. And whenever I run into issues with it, I, uh, they have such great customer support. Of course they know who I am because I'm a sponsor on the show, but they, I have had listeners on this show that have bought their own Puget System computers and fallen in love with the people behind the company. Real human beings doing customer support. And they really give a shit. They started sponsoring the show before I had any listeners. Okay? So think about that. Uh, go to PugetSystems.com, build yourself a PC that will be there with you. I have been running my second machine that I have here, or my first machine, for over eight years, and it still runs perfectly, okay? Think about it. Head on over to PugetSystems.com. If you're someone that is a music producer, if you're someone that is running a post-production studio, and all of your old Apple computers are have now been rendered useless because of hard or software updates. And you're like, oh God, I don't, they're so expensive. I don't want to go further into debt with these people. Check out Puget Systems. It's a great alternative to it. And these guys are willing to talk with all of their customers. They want to figure out exactly what your needs are and custom build it for you. PugetSystems.com. The link is below in the uh, the description of the episode, I think we have a trackable link there. Use that one, okay? So that they know we sent you over there. So there's a link in the description of this episode. Uh, go check them out. Uh, also supporting the show, people ask all the time. They've been asking about, they still talk about the Robert Pattinson stuff that Gina did that I edited for her. Um, and even the EW stuff with the cast of the boys. Um, where'd you get the music? Where'd you get those sounds? Did you have someone compose those things? Um, well, no, believe it or not, here's some insight. The print world doesn't have huge budgets. They just don't. 
And so when you go work on print campaign stuff, it's about the experience. They always frame it that way. It's it's such a great experience for you. Okay, great. So you want me to cut this thing. What am I going to use for music? How much money do you guys have? I don't know, like a hundred bucks, 200 bucks. Oh, great. How about I call up St. Lucia and see if they'll fucking compose a track for me for a hundred or $200. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to insult them. And I'm not going to tarnish my reputation for that bullshit kind of money. But the same token, we've spent so much time and energy shooting this stuff so it looks great. And I just, I want to do a cut that is reflective of how good the stuff was that we captured, right? And so if I have to go to some bullshit stock music website and spend $100 on something that sounded like it was made on a keytar on the sidewalk, it just ruins the entire piece. You know what I mean? So I was so happy to find jambox.io. These guys run their website like a record label. They work, they pay musicians to come in and create albums, EPs, LPs, specifically for Jambox. And these guys, before they ran Jambox, the owners, you can go back and listen to the episode that I have, uh, go into the music section. I had the owner of Jambox on the show. Um, He used to provide and create music, it still does, for big trailers. Like they just did all the music for the Michael Bay ambulance movie. Okay. These guys know the quality that Hollywood studios are looking for. And they put that into all the stuff they do in Jambox. Okay. So if you're a podcaster and you have no music, I have podcasters asking me all the time, how do you convince people to give you music? Just go to fucking Jambox, sign up for a subscription. One of the, the inexpensive subscriptions that they have, um, and get music multiple tracks of music make your podcast sound better if you're someone that is working commercially they have great plans for commercial stuff hold on let me go to their website you would think i would have this loaded but as always mike is not prepared stand by let's look at the pricing unlimited creator account 9.99 a month a 30-day free trial you get access to all the music unlimited downloads for social media, web streaming, personal student projects, and film festivals. If you're doing commercial work, $19.99 a month, seven-day free trial, gives you everything, access to all the stuff from the unlimited creator plan. This place got loud. Uh, But also full access to sound effects and stems. So you can take the stems of those songs, recut those songs to make it work for you. And if you're a student, you get all that for six bucks a month. Check it all out. Go to jambox.io and just listen to their catalog of music Even if you're not signed up yet, listen to the music and watch how much it inspires you. Um, Also supporting the show, uh, uh, ShareGrid. Jesus Christ. I'm so unprepared. Today. Um, Are you someone that owns a bunch of camera equipment that isn't being used? Are you waiting for your paychecks to come in? I just had a fucking freak out. Uh, recently because I thought I was getting another paycheck and I don't have a paycheck coming in right now. So passive income, I need to have more passive income. I'm either going to be selling shirts and uh, doing the podcast, or I'm going to be putting my gear out there and I'm going to put my gear up at ShareGrid. If you go to ShareGrid.com, you can earn money, extra money by renting out your camera gear to local filmmakers and photographers. ShareGrid vets every renter and gives them access to instant insurance to make sure that your gear is always covered against damage or theft for 100% of its value. ShareGrid is the largest camera sharing community with over 15, 150,000 creatives sharing over 1 billion worth of equipment. 
If you sign up today at sharegrid.com backslash ILWP, they will give you $100 uh, towards promotional credits for your listings, meaning that you can have your listings up higher than the average Joe on there. Meaning that if someone is looking for that sweet red camera that you have that you're putting on there, your listing will come up earlier. It's pretty awesome, right? Uh, you can list all types of gear, camera, lighting, audio, grip, props, or even locations, really anything production related. Don't wait. Start putting your gear to work. Go to sharegrid.com backslash ILWP. And there are so many young producers and filmmakers that listen to the show that rent from ShareGrid all the time. Bookmark sharegrid.com backslash ILWP and use that when you go into rent your gear too. I just want them to know that you're coming from me. You got it? Um, and uh, talking quickly about equipment and gear, um, I shoot with my Blackmagic 6K. Love it. Uh, love that camera. We now are outfitting it with uh, monitors from Small HD, a camera rig si a support system from Wooden Camera, and we're also waiting on, I think we're going to get our stuff from Teradek. So we're going to have a sexy little build that once I get all the pieces together for, I will take pictures of it. I will put it up on Instagram so that you guys can see what it looks like. And I'm powering the entire thing, the entire setup with batteries from IndiePro. And I love these guys. I love what they make. You see me reposting them on my Instagram account all the time. IndiePro is the one-stop shop for all your power needs for your pro video and DSLR cameras. IndiePro offers a wide selection of professional V-mount slash gold mount batteries and chargers, battery adapter plates, regulation cables, and many other unique power accessories. These solutions are compatible for all the most popular brands in the market, Sony, Canon, Blackmagic, Panasonic, and others. Uh, what's great about these guys is that they're only they're located only 30 minutes from the city, um, and they uh, manufacture and assemble many of their power solutions in-house. This gives you the ability to customize any of your power solutions. That means that they're not sending orders out to China for customizations, right? So many of you like assistant camera operators out there that have a DP that has some weird ass funky fucking setup that he wants on that camera and you need specific specialized power supply for it, go to IndiePro. So if you go to IndieProTools.com, use the promo code LOVE20 at checkout and you're going to receive a discount for 20% off your entire first order from IndieProTools.com. Like I said, go there, use the promo code love 20. All right. And uh, finally, uh, since we do talk about food on this episode, I'm going to leave you with one of our sponsors that requires that he records his own ads. Are you always eating Paschetti raw dog with only sauce and no meat? Tired of not having one meatball per day on demand daily? My social media app, Meatballs Daily, an app where you could download any kind of meatball once per day, is now open to all users. Beef or ground turkey or even fake vegetable meat as balls? Don't get meat from your grocery store full of cockroaches where you could download a meatball now with Meatballs Daily. Use the discount code INLOVEWITHTHEMEATBALLS for 10% off your first meatball download.
it makes a lot of sense because <clears throat> in my limited experience, usually when I'm working with composers and stuff for for movies, if it's mm-hmm. all digital, you end up getting lost in like at least I do. You end up getting lost in like the folder structure. You get lost in like the digital element, the computer element, and then it mm-hmm. it just doesn't have its own pulse. It doesn't have like um it it just doesn't have its own rhythm like like breathing rhythm that playing an instrument or like physically picking something up and recording it i run into this when i'm doing sound effect work and if i'm laying down sound effects on any of my projects if i'm going through libraries there's just something about scrolling through fucking libraries and reading files that after a while you're like what am i doing you know what I, mean? yeah. I feel like i'm scrubbing through like the netflix queue here like what is totally. this well you've you've heard of the uncanny valley right the uncanny valley what is this no well, the uncanny valley is this. It's uh, I'm, and I'm probably butchering this, but it's this idea that when technology gets like too close to being similar, very similar to like a human thing, mm-hmm. like you know, there are these robots you see sometimes on Instagram or somewhere that look just like humans, but there's just something fucking weird, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> and there's just there's something that's triggered in the human subconscious or in your mind that's like. You just know something's fucking up. (laughs) Something is not right there. (laughs) And I think there's something to that where it's like there's – you're hearing this thing, but there is not enough variance in it that you just kind of like you tune out in some way, you know? Yeah. 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 And I think – and and, and sorry, just I just want to like – but I also think like there are some people that do that really well because sometimes – there are people that use totally quantized sounds and soft synths and all this stuff. And it's great, but it's like, I think there's something else going on there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Even when you, you know, you look back at hip hop and you look back at uh, a whole culture where, you know, they couldn't afford instruments and they didn't have the training to play with instruments. And so the sample culture and, and, and there was something interesting about the sample culture being, live and the idea of like you know a kid being in his parents house hooking up you know his his mom's record player with his aunt's record player and running him through this thing and 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 desperately trying to find these things and i find with filmmaking it's the same thing for me like when i did my film 12 km i knew i didn't have enough money to do um cg the right way and if you do shit if you do terrible cg it just sucks like there isn't good cg (laughs) And so I'm like, I need to do all the effects optically. I want to do everything in front of the camera because I'm going to find things accidentally. And I'm going to find putting light through air and putting light through uh, practical things is going to help me discover and find the inspiration in it. And I kind of feel it might be that same way with with playing actual instruments and and being in the same space and picking something up and, and just fucking around on it, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, I it's funny because if for this record I did go through a whole process of like trying to make a record that was totally unedited and completely unquantized on any level. Mm-hmm. And I found myself just going around in circles. And I think the reason for that that I've realized now is like that in you know, I think I think with art it's important to not have like just a some like I don't know. It's it's like again. I'm not I'm not Christian, but like I think there is value to some like you know metaphors and ideas from the Christian tradition. And one of them is like that I think about a lot is like there's this thing in Christianity where God says, "Do not make false idols of mm. of me." 
you know, and to me, like I, the, the way I, the way I like think of that is like, um, you know, God, you can just think of as like, let's say it's the creative process, right. Or this, sure. this thing like truth or something. Right. And you, your God needs to be the art and the thing and the feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. And for you, for me to go like, I'm going to just make a thing and I'm not going to edit. I'm not going to tune anything, whatever. It's like that, that is just some other idea. It has nothing to do with like how the thing feels or, you know what I mean? Right. And, right. and so, and so like, to me, it's like, I had to get over that and just be like, well, I'm going to just not hold back on anything. I'm going to just like, I got to a point where I was just like, I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to just do whatever my subconscious is telling me I need to do in order for it to feel a certain way. And so then I started editing some things, not everything, t- doing a bit of tuning on some vocals, you know, like nothing hugely, whatever, not that I'm against that. Mm-hmm. And just through that, through not being precious about things, I feel like I got to a really good place, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, yeah, I think, yeah, it's, it's, that, that was just like a really interesting part of, part of the process in terms of like, coming to a place where you, you, yeah, where you're just, you're not letting some idea be your like God. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fat. I'm happy. We're talking about this stuff because this is the type of thing that's hard to quantify when, when you're, you know, trying to explain to, especially someone that isn't creative or someone that's trying to learn to be creative. And I get these Mm -hmm. questions all the time. Like, you know, how do you know when you found your style? How do you know when you found your, Mm. the thing that you're known for? Uh, and my response is always like, I don't know what my fucking style is. <laughs> like, I, like th- there's a sense of like, you know, a lot of the stuff that you think is my style is me fixing my mistakes. And then that, that ends up becoming inspiring for me. And and then I sort of go with it, but it's not, you know, I, I, I didn't come out of my mother going, I'm going to do this. You know what I mean? It was, it was like, you find it accidentally with, you know, the pressures that are put on you, at least as a well, filmmaker. It's, it's, like, it's, it's like you fighting the limitations. Yeah. There it is. Because like, because like, I feel like so little good art has been made with exactly what the artist felt like they needed Mm -hmm. (laughs) for what they needed to make, (laughs) you know, like, like, I think there is an element of like, where you need to feel like you you're fighting a bit to make the thing, you know? And it's like, it's like the flower breaking through the concrete, you know, Mm -hmm. that you see or the grass blade. And it's like that to me, that's the beauty of that's the most beautiful art is like, yeah. Yeah. There's that's, something that sounds, cool. there's something about that anguish that sounds really wonderful. There's something about that struggle that looks phenomenal when you think about it. It sucks in the moment. <laughs> yeah, it totally does. It totally does. It totally does. And to make things even worse, if you feel like you've pushed through that cement as that creative and then you come out of the, the other end of it and then it doesn't get the response that, that not that you expect, but that you're feeling it's like if you're not if you're not getting that same response that you're feeling inside you're like well why the fuck not like did i i had such a great idea did i not translate it correctly like how come you guys aren't feeling the same way about it yeah dude but then you think of like you know henry rousseau who like you know i'm very inspired by, by his artwork um you know he did all those like um you know, the kind of slightly naive, like jungle scenes. Um, I think, I think he lived in the 1800s, but he was, you know, he just had a normal job and in his free time he would go and paint. And I think he was totally unrecognized in his lifetime. And, uh, you know, and that's the thing. I think the beauty is that, you know, the thing is like, we can't expect anything as creatives, unfortunately, you know, you just, the, 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 the reward has to be the process, unfortunately. 
Yeah. No, um, I, I say that every day on this show. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> you know, and it's hard to make a business plan when you're when you're living in that world. Um, and especially in, a, in the film world, it's very tough to do a business plan with that where it's like, all right, so I'm waiting around for my inspiration. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, oh, totally. you know, it's tough. Um, okay. Well, one of the things I love about your sound, what I love about what you do is I, I was describing it. Your music, at least the beginning of your tracks, I feel like it's, it's almost like you're falling into a dream when you listen to the stuff <laughs> that you've put together and you do such a great job of sonically bringing me into this world, into this very sort of specific world for that song. It isn't, when I listen to your stuff, it isn't, I don't feel like I'm hearing a formula. I don't feel like I'm hearing uh, so many of the rhythms that I hear from other pop tracks where you're like, okay, here we go. This is what this is. This is based upon something else that just came out like a few months earlier. Got it. Oh, trap beat. Got it. You know what I mean? Um, mm. With your stuff, it's almost like <laughs> I assume, because I haven't done it, I, I assume it's like, you know, dropping like a psychedelic and then suddenly like <laughs> the world starts to shift on you <laughs> is what I feel when I listen to your tracks, man. Like, um, is that is that sort of an intentional thing? Are you layering the beginning of your songs to transport people into them? Because it feels that way. Whew, uh, I have no idea. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> but I appreciate you saying that, man. Um, I don't know. It's, it's the, the process for me is very like, it's just very intuitive, you know? And like, there's definitely some struggle here, like here and there. Mm -hmm. Um, but to me it is like, like, you know, the, the way I can sort of relate it to, to film or storytelling is like, I do think about music a lot as storytelling and especially, as the making of a record carries on, you know, you start mm -hmm. with these very kind of, you might have some very broad ideas and then some very specific just songs that you've written, you know, mm -hmm. but like the sound maybe hasn't quite congealed yet. Like you haven't quite right. exactly figured out wh where you're going with it. Right. Um, but then as it goes on, like all these things kind of, you know, you like there's a bunch of different tracks that are being developed at the same time. Mm -hmm. and you know maybe there's like a few different directions that i'm going down that are just like random and eventually like fall away and the, the, gradually like there's the sound that develops that's like the record and what i always get to at some point is this point where i where i start to kind of like think of almost like backstory you know mm -hmm. in, a, in in a story where um you know if, if you're writing a story or writing a writing a screenplay or something it needs to feel like it, it's happening in a universe or on a timeline. Like it's not just this moment that's removed from everything else, unless that's like the idea of the thing, you know, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so to me, it's like that kind of soundscape or the bringing you into that world. To me, it's like, it's somehow, sometimes it's conscious, sometimes it's, it's unconscious, but it's trying to make it feel like this is like a moment in a, in a longer timeline. Yeah. Um, and there's like, there's depth to this 3d image of sound, you know, and there's like stuff in the background sizzling away, mm -hmm. there's stuff in the foreground and there's all these different things kind of like going on. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So that's, that, that's sort of like how I think about it. I hear it totally, dude. I totally do. When I listen to this stuff, I mean the equivalent for me, it's like, instead of reading just a book, it's almost like a pop-up book where there are, mm -hmm. you can hear you layering in, um, whether it's the synth stuff or these other electronic noises that are just, 
<clears throat> it's almost like the music, the music, my, my, my mouth just stopped working. The <laughs> music equivalent of like crickets or like, you know, heat bugs that are just sort of in this space. It's like this background sound effect stuff that just mm-hmm. keeps you in, immersed in whatever that track is. You know, I know I'm being like over analytical about this and over romanticizing it to a certain extent, but <laughs> that's what I feel when I listen to uh saint lucia i totally feel no, i love it man and uh, you're actually one of the first people to ask me about it and it's, it's something i think about a lot when i'm when i'm when i'm making the music and sometimes that that thing you're talking about is is silence yes you know? yes um sometimes it's just it's nothing and and more and more i'm 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 embracing that aspect of it you know and i'm very I'm like very much like a maximalist producer slash composer. Like I'm always like literally doing everything that comes into my mind because, you know, I think a lot about this, there's this John, John Lennon quote where he talks about this time where he was imagining this like monk's choir on a Beatles track Hmm. and he never did it. And it's like a huge regret of his because, you know, he never at least got to try it. And to me, it's like, if you don't try something, you'll never know. You know, mm-hmm. so to me, it's like I'm just trying everything, every single fucking idea that comes to my head. I do it. I try it. I play every percussion instrument in my studio on almost every track, and a lot of it gets muted. But I feel like in the beginning, I was keeping a lot of stuff in yeah. all the time. No, I know, you know that. I know that vibe. I totally know that vibe because you're like <laughs> pre-editing before you can. I find myself doing that a lot, where I mm-hmm. pre-edit and I go, "That's ah, kind of stupid," and I, like when I. I, I work with my writer all the time for movie stuff. Mm-hmm. And when we're coming up with ideas and we're on the phone, we always have this thing that we say where we go, okay, so the bad version of this is this. And it's sort of like uh, permission to say something stupid because <laughs> in the stupid stuff, there's something great. Like you think, yes. I may think there's something dumb and my my writer will go, no, 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 that's fucking cool. And what if it's cool if we go to it and you go, oh, and there's a sort of sense of like, Internally, at least I go, well, I guess I'm not stupid. <laughs> There's like this point where you go, oh, I guess, I guess my thoughts aren't okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. Why was I, why was I down on myself for a moment? It's this, a lot of fucking people do it. I think there are people that are crippled by it. It's sort of like that self editing that happens, yeah. you know? Totally. Um, you've, uh, you, you know, Brian Eno, right? Yep. And like his, he has this deck of cards called the Oblique Strategies that he's, you know, he used on many records oh, throughout the years. Heard of this, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and they're super, you know, they're just like I don't actually have the card deck, but I have the app. <laughs> and there's one where it's like, you know, there, there's definitely a few where he's just like, don't be above the like every man thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's like a few where it's like essentially that that idea, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's it's like don't be above like the everyman hook or whatever it is, you know? And it's, I think to me, like most of my favorite music in some way flirts with the totally corny and the very extremely deep out there, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I, yeah, I think to me, to me, for me, to music, for music to really hit me, there needs to be some element of it, not just being this holier than thou or like, cooler than thou thing yeah. it's got to it's got to somehow flirt with the like lowbrow for sure
that comes with experience, right? Because when when you're younger, you're just sort of like, I need to reinvent everything and everything needs to mean something. And everything that I'm doing mm-hmm. is so important because of the time and energy that you're putting into making it. And then um, you just sort of hit a point. Like I've had uh, DJs on the show where they're just like, once I crossed into my you know late 30s, early 40s, I just stopped giving a shit about all that. And it was like, okay, what do I... Let's just play something. Let me just do something. And there's a power mm-hmm. in embracing and then understanding the reaction of, you know, like the Everman's Note or the the simple trope, like the movie trope, like, you know, the the hero's wife was kidnapped. You know what I mean? Like the, yeah, yeah. you like you embrace that thing because the audience can connect with that quickly. And then there's plenty of room once you get them hooked to sort of texture it. And to take them down different places. But I think the initial urge to, and I fucking run into this all the time, the initial urge to be like, everything needs to be different. And this needs to be new. And this needs to be, you start losing people because you're, you're trying too hard and it's too fucking foreign for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you know, I feel like my, <laughs> my, the, the, the people I listen to the most when they have something to say about what I'm doing is the people that know the least about music. Yes. <laughs> because, because there's this, I do think that there's this weird psychological thing where like, if I send a track I'm working on to like some, like a person that I know that's in the music business, I'm like, Hey, what do you think? This isn't done yet. Uh-huh. Like people just want to fucking like, you know, spread their like mustard all over that shit. Like right. here in Germany, they have a, they have a, uh, an expression. that's like, you want to give your Zenf, like Zenf is German for mustard. You know, it's like, <laughs> they just want to like give their Zenf, you know? And, but, but like people hear things totally differently when you're like, Hey, here's my new track. You know, this is done. And then yeah. they're like, this is dope, you know? But, but the people who don't know the ins and outs of music and the scene and old film or whatever, are going to give you their honest opinion and it's going to be unedited and they're not going to know how to say exactly what they think. But within that, I think is like the real shit, you know, the real opinions. Yeah. No, I have a lot of friends that I send stuff out to you that feel intimidated and they're just like, I don't know what the proper thing to say is just say it because your honest reaction is essentially what I'm working towards. So mm-hmm. whether or not you can put it into words your emotional response is what I'm looking at. Like, I don't really care if you can, you know, put it in mm-hmm. words, honestly. You know, it's how do you how do you react to this thing? You know, were you bored with it? Did it trigger something in you? And you can tell immediately. I don't know if you feel the same way when you're playing music for people, but if I'm showing mm-hmm. someone something, I can feel it when I'm in the room with them. I know exactly what they're fucking feeling. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, there's yeah. like something that ch- like there's some kind of weird human subconscious connection that happens when a bunch of people. It's like I will, like <laughs> if I am working on you know like what I was talking about earlier, where I'm working on a song and I'm like, this is the fucking best thing. Like this is gonna change the world. <laughs> and then <laughs> I go and I play it for like my friends who were like hanging out at home or something. Uh-huh. I immediately from the first like note immediately know like what the vibe is you know like what the reaction is what the energy in the room is and you know sometimes sometimes it doesn't mean that the the songs are right off it just means like oh like i'm approaching it in the wrong way or whatever you know but it's just like 
there was that, yeah, there was just something in the air in those moments. Well, so I assume that you try to get as many of those those uh, test trial runs as possible before you go on the road with this stuff, right? Are, are you breaking songs when you're on tour? Are you trying to break songs with your friends prior to it so that you don't feel that when you're on the stage? Well, you know, what's interesting is like, I mean, so when, when we go on tour now, like all the, you know, the the two EPs that we're bringing out slash the the first side of the double album that we're going to be bringing out uh, it will be out. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know the way that it is with just like music and social media and like sixty thousand new tracks coming out on Spotify every day now is just like stuff gets lost, you know. Yeah, so yeah, I'm sure the first time some people will be hearing some of the songs will be there. Um, will be on the road. Um. But, you know, what's also interesting is like, you know, like I was saying, when I'm starting out uh, making a record and I don't really know where I'm going, those opinions are way more important to me than they are now. Because like somehow now I feel really confident where I'm going. Mm -hmm. I know what I'm going for. I know it's not everyone's cup of tea and I don't fucking care. Mm -hmm. And um and i'm i just feel good about it you know and it's it's i think when i'm starting out and i don't know what i'm doing exactly and i don't know what i'm going for i'm more affected by like some random person's opinion whereas now it's like there's this guy who's been like commenting on a couple of like our new tracks on youtube like the one single guy who's like (laughs) oh my god saint lucia sucks so bad now like he's the they're the fucking worst like what happened to them and I don't care, you know, like it's just, it does not affect me at all because I feel like I know where I'm going with this and it's specific Well, and well, I'm well, very happy about that, you know? Well, I mean, I'm sure that there's a point where you did care because you brought it up, <laughs> but I get, I get that, well, man. Well, I love read it, you know, it's like, it's, it's just, to me, it's, it's good to read things and you can let it really affect you, sure. you know, but like. It is. It, it's just interesting to me to put myself in someone like you know someone who goes out of their way to make a comment like that, and you know, of course, something like that affects you on some level, but well, and um, then, it doesn't. It doesn't derail like everything, you yeah, know, yeah. as well, it might have in another part. Well, I mean, then this sort of comes back to the social media thing, right? Because I've, I'm the same way. If I'll post things, I'll put up an episode, I'll do something. You get a lot of really great responses, which, strangely enough. You know, great responses just give you like a very mild chemical response, at least me, where I'm just like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. And then when there's there's that real shithead, when there's that person that's being a total (laughs) asshole, that fucking chemical response is so much greater because it's triggering like anger, it's triggering insecurity, it's triggering all those things Mm -hmm. that you're like, fire, at least with me, I'd be firing on all cylinders with that stuff. And then I'm like, whoa, 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 why? Oh, I'm just getting off on this in a weird fucking way, in a negative way. I'm I'm actually getting off on this comment, and this is one comment over thousands of fucking positive responses. Why am I so hyper focused on this? Oh, because I, I feel like I'm I'm drinking that dopamine that I'm getting from that comment. It's a it's a weird mm-hmm. thing, you know, if you overanalyze it that way, you know. Yeah, I also think like you know, I think in a lot of the positive comments there's also a lot of like fake shit, you know? And, and, and there's something about someone giving you a negative thing that somehow, somehow feels more real than all the positive stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. and it, and it, it also like connects with all of your doubts that you have, you know, that like, and we all, I think every creative goes through it. Like you just wonder, is this shit, is this to this or to that, or, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, at some point you just, 
Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, dude, dude, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. It's, you know what it is too. It's a, it, it often feels like we're mining for something interesting. You know, like like you, we're planting sort of like we're taking these elements that we've kind of understood before, or creating this environment in which something can grow. But it, it's something that actually just sort of comes to us or grows in this space. And it isn't something that we necessarily own. And it's not mm-hmm. like a system in which I can go, okay, today I'm going to write a song. So I'm going to put on this color shirt. And I'm going to sit down and push this button. And then, bam, here comes the thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel a, bit, a sense of insecurity oftentimes where it's like, do I still know how to tend this garden? Do I still know how to, <laughs> you know, create this environment that something is going to come to me in, you know, and, and and I get that. There's definitely a sense of insecurity, at least with me with that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, do you, like when you're making something new, do you feel like in some sense you have to relearn the process again? hundred percent. Or yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Such a weird thing. hundred percent. And it's, I, I think because it, t- it takes so long. And then when you're doing something, see, I, I have envy of you being able to sit down and write a song because with movies and stuff, you know, there are so many different stages of it. There's the, and it takes so many people, oh, like fuck no matter dude. what you do, yeah. it's like a million dude. people and money. And so like, I will get so deep and, and fall in love with the early stages of something that just falls apart, that just sort of dissipates. And so it's like the equivalent of, uh, it's like the creative world it's like a creative miscarriage to a certain extent where mm-hmm. you're like, Hey, look, I I'm excited. I figured all these things out and then it's just gone or it's like put on the back shelf. It, it sort of disappears. And so sometimes yeah. there could be such a long fucking period of time between, you know, the creation of a full product. And, um, yeah. uh, so then you start to forget certain stages of it where you're like, do I even know how to fucking talk to actors still? Like, do, do I, it like, when was the last time I was on set? Fuck. That was like, what, 2019 for this kind of yeah. thing? Like, shit, you know? And so there's a lot of that insecurity. And then there's the stress of like, how do I make this the most important thing I'm doing since I haven't done it in so long? And this needs to be the best thing I've ever fucking done. You know, yeah. it's, to, it's all toxic shit, dude. It really is. And you sort of, you're, you're trying to sort your way through it and make a living. <laughs> yeah, that's no, hard, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm envious of you go, being able to sit in a room and at least start to create sounds and put things together, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, dude, I, I, I've, I feel extremely fortunate, like, in the position I'm in right now where, like, I have, you know, obviously there's more instruments I could I could get, you know, but, like, in general, I can make a, a great sound world that I think is awesome without like leaving my apartment, you know, mm. and, yeah. um, you know, and, you know, I, one of the luxuries I like to indulge in, in terms of going to real studios is recording live drums, you know, like this is the, the luxury that it's probably the most in, in, expensive part of the process, <laughs> you know, is like that <laughs> or recording horns, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but like, I, I, f- I feel very fortunate to be able to yeah, to, to be able to, to do that. I will never take back words that I said that I will always come back to you And even in the meantime I will always stand by a mirror on the shelf Call you in the night time Call you in the daytime Canvas up to you Cause I Never 
friends that are filmmakers as well you know and it's just like there's always just it's such a hustle and wrangling like a million people and different yeah. things and yeah yeah it's fun i mean when it's working it's fun you know it's yeah and when you when you get there and you're doing it and you're looking around and you're in this space and you're feeling that 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 juice that high that you get from it it's mm-hmm. like having crack you know and then you're just like mm-hmm. after that you're a crack addict that's begging someone to give you more crack <laughs> You know, thank thank fucking God for cooking and food because that's the the place that I feel like I get the second closest element to that, and it's something that I can create here in my home and I can perform for a live audience essentially with and it. in one day or an afternoon yeah. you can do it, yeah, and yeah. it's satisfying or not. Yes. You burn it and then you're like, fuck, but like, you know, it's done. <laughs> yeah. But like you, you haven't risked your whole life on it. You yeah. know, like, <laughs> yeah. exactly, man. Exactly. I fucking love it, man. It's like, uh, I don't want to do it for a job. I just love the way it, I love the little space that it exists in right now where it's like, it makes me feel good and I can do little mini movies for, for friends and for people that come by and I can make these little like emotional experiences for them. Um, but mm-hmm. someone was like, you going to open up a food truck? I'm like, no, fuck no. Like as soon as, as soon as it becomes like a commercial thing. And as soon as I get that first person that comes over and goes, can you make this plane? And I just, I yeah. want to kill myself. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you <laughs> apparently you like cooking. What do you love cooking, man? Um, dude, I'm, you know, I, I love like simple, like rustic food. Okay. Um, okay. you know, like. You know, it's like, you know, we, we definitely were around Brooklyn and New York when the whole kind of like farm to table foodie thing was happening. And like, we, mm-hmm. we loved it, enjoyed it. And now sometimes it just seems like food is going to this place that's just kind of like, well, do you have like uni on the menu, you know, right, and it's, right. you know, or, you know, the whole thing where it's just kind of like, well, 
what moves me is like going to Italy like, like we did last week and just, you know, all the food is spe- – the s- ingredients are spectacular, but it's yeah. simple. You know, it's yes. like everything has like max five ingredients. Yeah. And and it's all really good because the ingredients are good and it's combined in very respectful ways. You know, and of course, there's some surprising things, you know, but like um, – I don't know, dude, just like a really good piece of meat on, on like grilled on wood or charcoal with like just salt and pepper, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, or there's like this pasta I really like to make. That's like, you just, again, just, you know, preface every ingredient I say with like, it's good, you know, <laughs> like tomatoes, you just like grill tomatoes under, under, you know, in an oven or on a fire yeah. and then just, you know, mash them up and then add some basil, some cream and parmesan and salt. And then with orecchiette, you know, just like, like stuff like that, where it's like, you're not trying to like, you're not trying to be like the star of the day. You're, you're making something that has heart and is just delicious. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I don't know. That's what I love. Me too, man. hundred percent. Like, uh, you know, the, when I went to Italy for the first time and I went there and I had food, I remember I came back, and uh, people roll their eyes when I say this, but I, I had trouble <laughs> tasting food here in the U.S. for for weeks after I had been there mm-hmm. because uh, just the flavor of a tomato, the flavor of a pepper was just, it was like mind-blowing because it, it, it was like, this is what a fucking pepper really tastes like. The produce in the U.S. is so very difficult to make great food with. And so when you're dealing with fucking solid ingredients, um, they're just, you can't, like, why would you throw fucking truffle oil all over that? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, like exactly. it's beautiful on its own, that tomato. And that, that's what tomatoes are supposed to taste like. Um, yep. Yeah, dude. And it, I mean, but, but, you know, like, like I would say that you do get really good produce in the States, you know, like, like to me, to me, what, what I, what's so fascinating to me about the U S you know, and like, I've been fortunate to live all over the world. Like grew up in South Africa, live in Europe, lived in the States 14 years. Mm -hmm. What I love about the States is, you know, so first of all, like living in Europe to me sometimes feels like I'm living in like a place where it's a bit like on antidepressants, you know, Weird. whereas the States feels like it's like a place that's literally manic. Like you have the, the extreme worst, shit ever and the extreme best shit ever it's true yeah it's true and you have absolutely with unequivocally some of the best food in the world is in the states you know and i fucking miss going to restaurants in the states and like especially the town we live in the food is very average Mm -hmm. um but you know you have a great market and you go to the market and the it's the chief farmers from like you know five miles away who are coming and selling you know there's an island very close by here on the lake we live in and they just it's a farming island and so you get really good ingredients mm-hmm. and um you know it's very connected to the land it's like got that very healthy kind of thing and i think you know i go to you know certain markets in new york and i go to certain markets in la and there's there's also really great ingredients you know Sure, sure, um, sure. Yeah. You, you have to go to the right spots, though. You definitely do. You have, to, like, yeah. I, I guess it's becoming wide because it's becoming more trendy at this point. It's becoming a lot more wider ex- accessible, but it's mostly on the coasts, really, and the big cities. It's like you start getting yeah. into the mid country uh, of the U.S., and I'm sure you've traveled on tour through there, where it's just mm-hmm. like, oh my god, here's another fucking food chain, here's another spot, and it's ironic because a lot of those places 
are the ones that are, you know, farming all this stuff. You have fields and fields yeah. of corn and corn syrup and, and all that kind of stuff out here. So, yeah, I mean, it's just in the States, it often feels like back to front to me where like here, the basic things like a good tomato, like asparagus in the spring, like whatever is cheap as chips, you know, yeah. whereas in the States, it's like a luxury ingredient, you know, yeah. and it's so fucking expensive and they know it because they know the only people that want that stuff are like, you know, rich people who know about those things. Yeah. And so they just charge up the, you know, up the wazoo for that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of the, that's part of the issue in the States is that like, there is this like elite thing attached to good food. Whereas in Europe, often it's just the way it is. And there's nothing elite about it. It's just a normal thing. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's expected, which is interesting. Yeah. I like, there's something fascinating about that. I'm always trying to uh, educate as many folks as I possibly can uh, on food and bring folks in and, and, and teach them how to make simple meals just because uh, I think, you know, we're just victims of consumerism here. It's really what it is. It's, it's just all this marketing and, and packaging and everything else. And you forget that it's like, no, just plant some tomatoes and grab a fucking tomato off a vine and then eat it. That's, that's yeah. essentially what it is. You know, it's no, not totally. And it's like the, the other thing I've, I've found interesting in the U S is like, you know, I, I, we have, we know some people, we have some friends who are really into food and stuff like that, but there's always this thing where anything you make has to be so extra, you yeah, know, yeah. like it has to be so like, you know, you got to like reinvent the wheel every time you like invite people over for dinner, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like you just got to like, I don't know, like source the craziest fucking thing from there. And like, you know, and whereas like, why not just make like a really good bolognese, you know, like a really fucking good bolognese. Simple. That's like this, it's simple, yep. you know, but it's, but actually making a really good bolognese is like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a project, but mm -hmm. it's not like you're reinventing the wheel. And like, I think that's sometimes the thing that kind of makes the, the, um, you know, the entryway for people a little intimidating. Cause they think that like, Oh no, you got to be able to like, know how to do, do like sous vide, like perfectly. You know, whereas, yeah. No, no, no. I, did, it, I mean, with food, with me at least, it's the human connection more than anything else. Yeah. And I, I think that, because I, you know, I've, I'm known as a guy that can cook. And so like a lot of our friends, a lot of the people that we know, they're kind of intimidated to cook with me or make food with me or do that kind of thing. And I'm, I always <laughs> say to them, if you make me a fucking meal, I don't care what it is, but if you make me a meal and you care about what it is that you're putting in that plate or in that bowl, I'm going to love you for it because I never get meals cooked for me. So like there's something yeah. about the human connection. It's about the experience. And as we're talking about creating music or creating movies or, or, or trying to translate uh, an experience we had to another person, food for me, anytime I go to a stranger's house and someone hands me a plate uh, when I eat that first bite, I'm thinking about like, where did this idea come from? Is this something that was passed down generationally? Like just the amount of salt that this person's putting in this plate is coming down from somewhere. And, and it's when you have a really good meal somewhere, you feel and you taste their history. You taste their mm -hmm. taste. You, it's being put through their, you know, their, their body's algorithm to create this thing for you. Um, it's, I, it's one of my favorite art forms, period. I feel like it's the, it's like the, the most emotionally connected I can be with a human being is make them a meal, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. It's, it's, it's the absolute 
base level like love because like you know it's you literally giving someone fuel to live yeah yeah and and you're giving them joy hopefully you know there's there's like a joy elements as well so 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 what is like what is your forte with cooking i'm I'm curious um like what do you see as your thing well i mean my family heritage is italian and so we did come Mm. from tuscany so there's a lot of like simple simplicity dishes that i've done for years but i became obsessed with um you know barbecuing and grilling for for a period of time so these days i'm kind of known for my smoke work. So I've done like amazing ribs. I'll do these chicken wings that everybody loves so much. Um, but, uh, I still love doing fresh pastas and homemade pastas and, um, Mm -hmm. and it's just ingredient based. So if you were to come over and depends on what you like to eat, I'd be like, are you a barbecue guy? Cause I can knock your socks off with some really, yeah. Okay. (laughs) So then I, yeah, I can love barbecue. I mean, I love pasta. I love barbecue. I mean, yeah. Like we just, uh, man, we were just in, um, Charleston, South Carolina. Okay. And we went to this fucking amazing barbecue place. Might have been the best barbecue I've had. Okay. So was um, it was it like vinegar-based sauce or was it uh, like sweet sauce for the barbecue? Um, I, I feel like vinegar. I'm not I'm not okay. 100% sure. Yeah, um, okay. But um, yeah, I love barbecue. I'm not like a, I'm not like an expert in it, you know, but definitely in my travels around um, the States what's your favorite with the band what's your favorite barbecue what do you like to eat when you get barbecue are you a ribs guy um, or are well, you a sausage I, guy the, the, the probably the besides this place uh it's called lewis barbecue it's not like the chain there's like a chain i think called lewis something mm-hmm. but this place is just called lewis barbecue and it was like fucking i thought it was amazing uh, that um, sounds awesome the other one that I love is uh, salt is Salt Lake in Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, salt mm-hmm. Lake was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I love. I mean, I, I I love it all. Honestly, like I think burnt ends is my favorite. Like if they have burnt ends, that you oh, can yeah. order. Like oh, I yeah. absolutely love burnt ends. Um, pulled oh. pork, like the sauce. Like I I love to just try whatever they have. Yeah, man. There's something brisket, obviously. Yeah. There's so much love that goes into that. There's so much technique. And the thing that's fascinating about uh, actually doing good barbecue and doing a lot of it is that uh, it's you realize that the elements have such an effect on what how it's going to turn out. You know, like mm-hmm. what the air quality is that day, what the temperature is outside that day. Do you have wind? Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of stuff. If you're doing it at home, it's even harder um, to sort of master that stuff. Um, I love it though. It's a, it's a very organic and strange and it's almost like a live performance when you're doing barbecue because you're dealing with mm-hmm. fire and heat and you're, you're the one manipulating all those elements. Um, I love it, dude. It's, it's crazy and fun to do. It really is. Um, but like I just did a big barbecue for my friends last weekend and we just did huge tomahawk ribeye steaks and it was the simplest thing. I've, I smoked them a little bit and then I just mm-hmm. seared them and everybody was like – you want to talk about <laughs> you want to talk about uh, you know curving into the the uh, the hook that an audience likes. You do some mm-hmm. fucking tomahawk ribeye steaks on the grill the right way, and everybody is like, "You're an amazing chef." It's like I just literally threw it on fire. <laughs> That's all I did. Yeah, you know, dude. It's, I love that shit, man. Oh, I was just yeah. thinking about it, getting hungry again. <laughs> it's so good, oh, dude. Just like yeah, I mean, a steak just grilled over like like wood especially you know is like i i learned this thing where um like i'm i don't do any smoking or anything but mm-hmm. 
Um, I love like, just like we have a couple, uh, like Weber grills here and I mm-hmm. like to do like two different temperatures, you know, so, cause we love to do like vegetables on the fire as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we'll have one fire that's like really hot for the steaks, one fire that's like less hot to do all the veggies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, one trick that I learned was soaking rosemary in water mm-hmm. for like a while before you barbecue, before you grill. Mm-hmm. And then just before you put the meat on, you throw a, f- a bunch of sprigs of the rosemary on, on the, the embers, on the, the coal or the, the wood or whatever. Yep. And then you put the meat on and then it just like imbues it with this, with this herbaceous oh, it's so good. Uh, smoke, you know? And um, yeah, to me, I like, I absolutely, I love, I, I love the smoke flavor. I love <laughs> I, it. I, yeah. I love it. Dude, me too. Me too. And there's, that's very similar to like a yakitori as well. There's a, there's a whole, I've got like a little yakitori grill, which is like uh, Japanese skewers and stuff. And they actually mm-hmm. take the, the official yakitori charcoal and they boil it. And they boil it to get as much of the uh, carcinogens out of it as they can. So that way, the, oh, wow. s- the smoke that you're getting is very clean. And then the theory is, is that you're flavoring it with the, the smoke from the grease of the food that you're cooking on. So then that becomes a very sort of clean flavor profile that you're getting off of the charcoal. Oh, interesting. Yeah, wow, that's super nerdy stuff. <laughs> Dude, in Italy, um, so, so we were like close to Naples. Mm-hmm. in a town called um, Salerno, which is like, it's not a super pretty town, but like on the Amalfi coast. Mm-hmm. And um, we went for dinner, you know, I mean, just like food is so cheap there. It's insane. And we, we, we went for dinner at a really beautiful, like kind of farm restaurant, amazing pizza. Like just all the pizza you get there is amazing. Yeah. Like you'll have the best margarita you've had in your life for three euros 50. Yeah. You know, uh, like, like insane. And you'll get a steak, like a tomahawk, like like oh. t like t bone steak for twelve euros. Oh my god! Oh, I miss uh, I, I miss the flo- <laughs> I miss the Florentine steaks, man. Oh, I miss the Florentine steaks so much. Like, go to back, go to go back to your people, man. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm craving, and, and everybody's listening and either drooling or rolling their eyes right now. But uh, what I'm fucking craving is uh, porchetta. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. ever had a porchetta there, which is like, yes. I just, where did I get it there? It was in, um, was it in Cortona? It was somewhere out there. And it was, I walked by, it was early in the morning and I walked by like this little de- like deli or butcher shop and he had just mm-hmm. pulled it out and I've never had one like that in my entire life. And I've been trying to replicate them and it's so, impo- it's so incredibly difficult to do. <laughs> uh if yeah. I if I can just go back, that's where I would be. I'd you'd have to call an ambulance with the amount of porchetta that I would. Need. <laughs> so, um, so you you asked me about my favorite barbecue. What's your favorite barbecue? Um, okay, so right now simplicity is uh, the, the for quite some time I was getting real nerdy about doing um, beef short ribs or beef ribs, and that mm-hmm. process was a lot of fun. But it's just very time consuming. You start getting yeah. into like seven eight hour plus depending upon what what's going on um these days i'm addicted to pork you know i'm very much addicted to pig and so the simplest stuff for me like if you did like um a cast iron skillet on the grill with some some smoke and you did like uh like a rosemary garlic uh seared pork chop i fucking Mm. love that it's just so easy and simplistic and 
actually, I got really deep into vegetable stuff and cooking veggies directly on the coals. And mm. one of my favorite things, Dude, eggplant, eggplant is fucking amazing. Like that yeah. to make like baba ganoush is so good. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do is I'll get like, um, cowboy charcoal, which is basically lump charcoal because it gets hotter and I'll mm-hmm. fill the Weber with it. There'll just be a lot of lump charcoal and I'll get two full heads of cabbage and just Whoa. coat them in salt and bury them in the hot coals. So they get buried Whoa. in the coals themselves and they sit there for about 40 minutes. Um, you take them out and they look like a meteorite, like it's hot black. <laughs> and then you just peel off two or three layers of the, the burnt edges. And in that process, it starts to flake. So you get all that sort of like carbony stuff mixed in with the soft, tender uh, interior of that cabbage. And then you have like a like a yogurt dip that goes with it. And it's the equivalent to what we would call in the U S like the blooming onions that you would get deep fried at like, you know, uh, you know, whatever fucking Outback steakhouse kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. but it's healthy and it's, it's smoky. Um, and it's fun to do because you're essentially just burying food in hot coals and then getting sort of like yeah. this Easter surprise out of it, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, dude, I love that shit. So yeah. good. Yeah. It sounds like you and I would get real nerdy over barbecue stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely, I don't think I'm like as nerdy as, as you about this stuff, but like, I just love, I love good food, you know? And me like, too. me too, man. Um, yeah, me too. It. Um, well, where are we at? Okay. So we're, we're cranking towards the end of the episode and I, I, know, I know we got lost in food, but it was bound to happen as, as soon as you started to talk about it. Um, I love it, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I guess the last stuff I would talk to you about is, um, so the, they're, the musicians that I've talked to and the, the bands that I've spent time with, and I've done mini docs and all that kind of stuff. So I've been in the recording studios. There's with a lot of folks is two different vibes, right? So you have the mm-hmm. very personal, I'm at home, I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trying to cultivate an idea and then uh, put that idea down. And then mm-hmm. there's the promotional slash tour vibe. Um, are they two different things for you as well? And which one do you prefer? Or do you, uh, do you feel like they're both integrated into what you do? Um, yeah, I think, I think they're complementary for sure. Yeah. Um, I think that, that was a big part of actually what I missed during the, the pandemic, you mm-hmm, know, was, mm-hmm. was that feedback from your audience. Yeah. But I, but I also think it was necessary because I think sometimes when you're, you know, when you start in your music career and, you know, things start to kind of take off and then, you know, you're doing all these things like kind of, you know, you're touring and then suddenly like you need to make another album and you're, you know, and for me, for me, it's like, I, I, my focus is on making, making the next record. Like I'm always thinking about it, you know, but Mm -hmm. you know, when things are just going and there's this momentum, like, especially, you know, after our first record going to our second record into our third record, there is this like pressure and it never feels like there's really enough time, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it was actually in many ways like a welcome break, even though it was like a little bit scary uh, uh, in some ways, you know, but like, um, I don't know, I, 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 I guess, you know, j- just yeah, to not make it too long, like it is, it is definitely like, like I love playing shows and I love playing the songs in front of people. And like, there definitely comes a point where I just cannot be in the studio anymore. You know, we're, we're like, that is over and I'm moving into a new thing. It's like, it's almost like me being in the studio is like, it's like, I feel like all of all, all humans, like all of us are like 
both introverts and extroverts. Yeah. You know, and I think we all go go through different phases of that. And to me, like when I'm in the studio and doing that whole thing, it's like the introverted side of myself that needs to just kind of like take time and figure out what I want to say and what I want to do and stuff. And then when that's sort of quote unquote done and we come out of it, that's sort of like going into the sort of extroverted phase. And I think it's, yeah, I think I just think it's a, it's a necessary balance. Yeah, no, it's interesting. It's fascinating because when you see it, I'm always fascinated when I'm hanging out with musicians because it's two different, it's two different personalities to a certain extent, right? Cause you have mm-hmm. like the, 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 the version of you that, a lot of the public doesn't see, which is the creative version, maybe the insecure version, maybe the, you know, the, the, the test kitchen version of you. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's the personality that is the stage performer. And, and it isn't obviously when you do a stage performance, it's not just about how good the songs are, but it's also about how you're interacting with the audience and what sort of body energy and, and, uh, and, uh, personality that you're throwing out to the crowd. So it's like, it's, it's weird. It's like two different personalities for the same person, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think like, um, I just kind of lost my train of thought, but <laughs> it's all good. Um, yeah, I think, I think that like there is, um, yeah, there's, there's definitely like an interesting thing that goes on because mm-hmm. you're kind of like, uh, yeah, I've just totally lost my train of thought. No, no, I, I mean, I like, good, I, I had such a good thing there, but yeah, forget about it. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's is it true? Like, I, so do you? Are you a multi personality person? Are you a different guy in the studio than you are on stage? It depends. It, 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 it's yeah. I mean, I think in some ways, like you know, there is like the making of Superman, you know, and mm-hmm. like then there's like. Superman and like <laughs> the being on stage is like, you know, I'm, I'm not acting in a way that I would in everyday life. It's like, you're kind of like, it's like you're having sex, you know, yeah, like you would never yeah. do that stuff in everyday life. Like you would just, people would think you're insane, you know, but like, <laughs> I can only of, imagine you like thrusting your hips at the, per, at the barista at the coffee <laughs> shop. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, I think, yeah, I, I, th- I think, I think that like, there is this thing where, we we need to just like take on these different parts of like of like our personalities and like mm-hmm. definitely being on stage and exposing you know myself to to the audience in this kind of way and knowing that you're you are responsible for these people like having a good time and enjoying themselves it puts a certain kind of pressure on and you just kind of become a different person yeah you know yeah it's not totally removed from the person you are it's just kind of like you are like you've taken the fucking like gummy berry juice, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> and you're just kind of like, woo, let's, let's do this. Well, you become the showman at that point and you like, exactly. Yeah. There's an understanding. It's, it's, it's cool, man. I, I'm always fascinated by it because it's, I don't have that as a filmmaker. I mean, maybe if mm-hmm. I have to get up and I have to speak on a show or if I have to talk about something or maybe there's a sense of personality there that's a little bit different. Um, I mean, even on the podcast, like I'll get off the podcast and I'll speak the same way to my girlfriend. She's like, you're not on the fucking podcast anymore. We stop talking that way. (laughs) (laughs) But I can imagine, but I can imagine for you, like, you know, you probably, the, the way that I, the analogy I would give is like you writing a script or working on an idea by yourself and then having to involve other people Mm -hmm. and having to seem authoritative about it, even though maybe on some level you still have some doubts about Sure. certain ideas For you know sure. yeah um it's that kind of thing it's like you know when, when i finish a record like 
to me, it's done, but there's also like, oh man, maybe that thing, like blah, blah, blah. But then like you get up there and you got to sell that shit. Like you can't seem like you have doubts. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, you just got to like sell it. And, and, um, and it's not just out of desperation of needing to sell it. It's also feeling that sort of power in front of an audience. And yeah, th- yeah. It's like, it's like feeding the hungry, you know? Mm-hmm. And you got to, yeah, satisfy them somehow. This has been great, man. I, we got to end it, but uh, this has been fantastic, <laughs> dude. Uh, I've had so much fun talking to you. Um, I loved it, Mike. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Man. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, if you come out here to Los Angeles and you want some homemade barbecue, we can do that. <laughs> I don't know if I can, like, say no to that. I think that that is a, <laughs> that's definitely a, a yes. There it is. I hope uh, you St. Lucia fans have a deeper understanding of Jean's process. And uh, I I love the dude. I, I mean, it was apparent when I started to talk to him immediately that we would get along. I like his process. I like what he does. I like his outlook. I like his healthy uh, environments that he makes for himself to basically farm and find ideas. It's very inspiring. I find that when I talk to folks like this, it makes me think twice about what it is that I'm doing or oftentimes gives me sort of like the back path that I need. Like, it's okay, buddy. You are doing this the right way. It is, it's okay that it's taking a little bit longer for something like this to gestate. It's all right. Um, it's nice to hear it. And look, I've spent years working with musicians. I've met a lot of big musicians. I've done music videos for them. It's always 50-50 with me. And I'm always crossing my fingers going, oh, I hope this guy's not a douchebag. You know what I mean? Because we have such a strong emotional connection to their songs. And I've talked about this on prior episodes. Songs become emotional bookmarks for me. Like I emotionally attach where I heard it, who I was with, what I was eating, what I was drinking, what the room smelled like. It's emotional roller coaster rides. And so it's always great if you're digging deep, and I'm always cautious about digging into who these musicians are because I don't want to taint that experience. And it's nice when you meet them and that they're great and you feel like it's it's actually flourishing the songs. It's flourishing the experience even further. Um, so I was very excited. I was very happy to talk to Jean today and it was really cool to meet him. I hope to meet him in real life. I'll keep you guys updated. Hopefully I'll be able to go see them when they come here in, in Los Angeles. I think soon. I think in the next few months they'll be here. So maybe I'll get to like hang out. Um, but other than that, things are great. Uh, I'm in the process. We're recording this episode later in the day. I haven't eaten lunch and my stomach is growling right now. So I'm not going to rant too long. But I think Gene and I are going out tonight. Gene is sitting behind me. Every once in a while when you hear the keys on the keyboard go, that's because she's furiously working behind me at the same time. Did you think about where we're going to go out to eat tonight? It's an us job? Why is it always an us job? Don't you have any ideas? I've been podcasting for so long. I'm so hungry right now. Where's my food? That's a me problem. All right. Obviously, I have to go. 
Thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of uh, In Love With The Process. And like I said earlier in the episode, tell your friends about us, please. And if you like this one, repost it. I'll have graphics. I'll have all sorts of stuff that I'm putting up on Instagram. If you want any of those graphics to do a repost, write to me and say, Mike, send me that shit. I want to promote the show. I'll do it, you know? And if you do that enough, you might end up becoming one of our super fans, one of our power fans. There are a few of you out there, and I've been threatening this. I'm just waiting for everything to come in. Uh, there's only a limited few amount of people that can get these specialty pins that we have for the show. Most of them are just guests, but there will be some power fans that get their own pins. Who knows? You may be pin number five out of 100. You know? So that's it. Thank you, everybody. And as always, I'll see you next Tuesday. An empty house, an empty heart. Throw it away, too late to take different parts. I hope we escape. Different parts